G'day everyone, it is Wednesday and it's February 1, the big sports breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. Very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening and the Aussies are in India ahead of the first test next Thursday in eight days time. Flew out yesterday overnight, well we've got the, uh, well it's deadline day over in Europe as far as football is concerned and Socceroo Harry Suter is off to the Premier League after Leicester. Agreed a, well, £15 million transfer fee. There's some add-ons potentially there as well with Stoke City, his championship club. So it looks looks like he's going to, well, the Premier League champions of seven years ago in Leicester City. Struggling this season, though. Uh, they're just one point above what is a very crowded relegation zone at the moment and lost four of their past five games through their most recent. But uh, team under a bit of pressure, Leicester City. Uh, but great to see Harry Sutar transferred to the Premier League. Uh, Paddy Mills, 21 points yesterday in Brooklyn's win over the Lakers. Plenty of news in footy as well. Morning to you, pup. Morning, buddy. Morning, Loz. Morning to our listeners. Yeah, good to see the Aussie boys uh, on that plane yesterday and uh, arrive in India. They'll be, uh, they'll be excited. They'll be keen to get over there and watching a few of the boys go through the airport. Geez, they've packed enough for a year. Boys have still got their old school values in take the take the luxuries from home. So uh, Warner used to take the baked beans. I saw Marnus has taken a bags of a coffee. Full bag of coffee, yeah. So What's doing? What you used to take? What was your like weird uh, thing to take? You know, I'd take like um like you'd pack a stack of lollies and, and mm. things like that. Like you can still get it over there, but it's just I don't know. It's just you want it like in your room, in your hotel room. For me I'd always I want my treats. Mm. So you'd pack a, but it'd be like a little backpack full of stuff. Or when you get to Sydney Airport, you just go buy a few things and and chuck it in. Like different toiletries you couldn't get over there. Um, but generally, everything was taken for you. Like the food over there now is as good as anywhere in the world. The hotels are uh, unbelievable, all five star. Um, you don't need any real any medication and stuff because you've got a team doctor and a team physio. They take all that. So it's really just the things that make you. I'd take my own pillow. There you go. I'd always take my own pillow overseas for sleep. Didn't care what bed I got, but my own pillow I'd take. Fair that enough. was probably the only thing. Loza, morning, mate. Morning, boys. How are we? Yeah, pretty good. I'll tell you what, the Sharks have had a bit of bad luck in the last, what, 36 hours or so. So they did end up releasing uh, Lockie Miller. So he's off to Newcastle. That is confirmed. But then news late last night, the Telegraph reporting that Cade Dykes the son of Adam, of course, former um, player there at the Sharks, has potentially suffered an ACL. So they would have released Miller thinking, well, we've got Will Kennedy there and, and Dykes, you know, gives cover and potentially could, you know, maybe even challenge Kennedy at some stage. And now it looks like they've lost the young gum with an ACL. That's a real blow for them. They'd be... Couldn't believe the timing, I guess, for them because I'm sure they wouldn't have released Miller had this happened. No, I'm sure they wouldn't have, but... That's the way that Rugby League works, and they did release Lockie Miller. He's up there with Newcastle. He arrived on Monday. Then on Tuesday, on Kay Dyke's 21st birthday, he did his ACL. Um, and it hasn't been confirmed, but more likely it will uh, be him out for the season. And that's a massive blow because it leaves Will Kennedy as the only genuine number one in that football team. They've got guys that could play backup. But they're not as good as a Kay Dykes or a Will Kennedy. Um, you know, names they're tossing up and Nico Hines, but you'd be reluctant to move him after the season. Oh, yeah. He had it um, seven last year, winning the, the Dally M. Uh, you've got a guy like Connor Tracy who can play a lot of those outside back positions. You've also got a guy like Matt Moylan who started his career as a fullback um, with Penrith uh, a number of years ago. Um, and they also have. Not so much that he could play fullback Braden Trindle, but he's a guy that can play in the half, so which would therefore allow you to move one of those guys. But look, coming into the season, you've got your Kennedy would have been their number one. Then you've got your two halves settled. You just don't want an injury to your key players in your spine. Um, so they'll be hoping they can get through injury-free now, the Sharks. Otherwise, it could leave them one man down, one man short because they're so important fullbacks these days. Definitely. Yeah, that's a, a real blow for them, something they did not need uh, in the preseason. Now, we've got a huge show today, guests everywhere. 
amongst them, Eddie Jones, the new Wallabies coach, who yesterday fronted his first media conference as the new Wallabies coach there, just near where he grew up, in fact, Matraville High School in uh, southern Sydney there. And uh, we're looking forward to having a chat with uh, Eddie Jones just after the 8 o'clock news this morning. And uh, also going to speak to Jim Maxwell, who's a legendary sports commentator, of course, with the ABC, who is what he's called nearly up to 300 tests. And he's heading for, I believe, his eighth tour of the subcontinent. Uh, It'd be interesting to ask Jim about how it's changed travelling to India, particularly over such a a long period of time. So that's coming up this morning amongst, uh, well, Dick Fain, and we'll preview the Super Bowl, of course, after and uh, review the championship games we saw on uh, Monday morning, our time. We've also got Joe Pribe. We couldn't get Joe yesterday. He was busy. So we've got Joe today. Plenty of horses to talk to him about and uh, plenty of other guests as well. Lizzie Wellborn amongst them. We've got the final round of the uh, Nutri-Grain series in the Ironman and the Ironwoman this weekend. And that is at Karawa on the Gold Coast in Queensland. So plenty of guests coming up this morning. But uh, also in rugby league, Parramatta re-signed 20-year-old centre Will Penasini for another two years. Uh, so that's until the end of 2025. So he played every game last year, scoring 10 tries. Uh, played four tests for Tonga as well, three of those at the World Cup. And he was probably someone Eddie Jones would have been looking pretty closely at considering his... Uh, uh, well, schoolboy days there at Kings as well, Loss. Yeah, I've got a massive opinion of Penasini. I think he's a very, very good player, and I think he's someone that is in for a big year. Uh, he impressed last year. He he was a mainstay of that Parramatta side in the end, um, and I think he'll improve as the season goes uh, this, this year goes on. Um, look, there'll be a lot of young guys that have been mentioned uh, by Rugby Union, and I think that you know Penasini was one of those guys. He's only signed a, a two-year deal which will extend him out to 2025. Still puts him on the radar for Rugby Union, but at least um, he's committed to Parramatta in, until then. The big one for the Wallabies will be Joe Suwali. I mean, he's the one that everyone is talking about, and uh, the Roosters have got some big decisions to, to make because you'd find it difficult to think, how do you keep three guys that potentially... Well, no, they're not potentially. They are worth a million dollars on the open market. You know, you've got Tedesco there already on your books. You've got Joey Mann who's coming off contract. Uh, Sawali coming off contract. These guys are going to command a lot of money. Joey Mann is now probably a million-dollar player. Oh, I think he's every day of the week. Mm. Every day of the week now. From what what you see him do when he pulls on that international shirt um, and what you see him do week in, week out for the Roosters, and he does it as a centre. So you imagine him getting more involved as a fullback. Um, he's he's deserving of fullback money, and when you know when he's in negotiations with other teams, I'm pretty confident that they'll be prepared to pay him that type of money. Uh, we will, well, we saw the Aussies take off yesterday, Clarkie and Steve Smith spoke at the airport. He indicated uh, a tour match was a waste of time back in 2017 in India. He's saying that you know they were served up pretty much a green top. Mm, I commentated. <laughs> I was there. I remember it. And okay. no spinners okay, as yeah. well. India played no spin bowlers, only quicks. So yeah, I read Smith's comments. A bit of game playing there back I think then. That, you, as, that happens as, everywhere. As you encounter when you're yeah, on tour. That, that, that's the risk you go. No matter where you go. Like I think about the preparation for an Ashes series. The county wickets that you get are generally nothing like what you get in a test match. Same as when you come to Australia, you look at our first-class cricket. You go and bat at the Gabba in a first-class game and then go and bat at the Gabba in a test match. It's like a, it's like you're in a different country. You know, you go from raging green seamer in domestic cricket to the Gabba's as good a pitch that you, you bat on in, in the world. So We had a green top this summer, though, which was rare for yeah, the Gabba. Yeah, but <laughs> that's the risk you take when you go overseas. And obviously, t- you know, you go into somebody else's backyard, they're going to try and – they're not there to help you. They don't want to do you any favours. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think – look, sounds like the boys have had facilities here in Australia and tried to use those as well as they can. I remember when we toured India, um, the Centre of Excellence tried to prepare. They actually got – I think they got the turf from India and tried to prepare a, prepare a spinning wicket in preparation, but it was nothing like what you got in India. Um, the other thing about touring, it's not just about the batting and the bowling. You know, it's being in that country. It's the heat. It's the humidity. It's the food you eat. It's, you know, it's every part of uh, every part of going overseas um, and and living and breathing somebody else's culture that plays such a big part. Especially when you've been there, when you've got to be there for, you know, 
um, a number of weeks. It, it can be quite draining. So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll, again, as I've said, we'll, we'll find out if they should have, you know, if they go and play their best cricket and win this first test match, then they'll sit there and say, well, our preparation was unbelievable. If they don't, I think it'll be questioned. But uh, Smitty's spot on in regards to that risk is every tour you go on, the facilities you get, the pitch you get to play on, the opposition team you get to play against in that tour game is out of your control. Back page of the Daily Telegraph, and the Telegraph's done a survey, uh, an anonymous survey with uh, the current coaches and assistant coaches in the NRL. And uh, the headline here is, we're over the rainbow. Coaches deliver messages on NRL Pride Initiatives is the headline there, and it was one of the questions uh, put to the coaches and assistants. Uh, Would you encourage your players to wear a Pride jersey? Of course, we saw uh, what happened with Manly uh, last season. And, well, yes, 42%. No, 42%. And prefer not to answer 16% is what they came up with. And another question, should the NRL have a Pride round? Yes, 33%, no, 50%, and prefer not to answer 17%. And uh, not surprised that the majority said no, considering what we saw there uh, in the fallout from the Manly situation last season. But uh, Peter Volandis and the NRL or the ARL Commission are looking at potentially or investigating introducing a respect round. So I guess you cover all bases there, Loz, but... Uh, it's something that will have to be very, very carefully considered, considering the divisive nature of the issue. Well, you've answered it. You've answered it. It's divisive because people have got different opinions and people have different religions. And if you're going to bring something in that's divisive, then you're going to cause a lot of trouble as well. I think we all should be respectful of everyone's opinions. Uh, and I think the game is talking about introducing a respect round. Um, I've got my views. Other people have different views to mine. And I can understand why the coaches are reluctant to have it because they don't want to go down the path that Manly did last year and have players put in this situation where they're deciding that they're going to boycott a round. And by doing that, you place a heap of pressure on the individual. You place plenty of pressure on the clubs. You place pressure on the game. And I don't think we're ready for it at the moment because it's, it is. It, it's something that you know is going to be divisive. It, it, people have got differing opinions um, and the league will need to think it through how they handle it. Um, I'm all for supporting um, the round if it happens. Uh, but it, at the moment, I, I think with what happened last year and we saw it with the basketball only a couple of days ago, where I think it was the Cairns Taipans players that refused to wear uh, their singlet. Um, it's only going to happen more and more in all sports. Mm. And unless you've got a lot of people on board with it, and I think we still need a lot of more work and a lot more education on it, then you're not going to change people's views. Amongst other questions put to the coaches and assistants, uh, biggest issue in the game, concussion was top 58%. And... Uh, as an extension of that, are teams still taking advantage of the concussion rules? Yes, 63%. No, 29%. <laughs> Prefer not to answer 8%. Remember, the coaches <laughs> are uh, answering this. Uh, also, should the NRL expand it? If so, where? Perth, easily on top there, 52%. No expansion next at 22%. Then New Zealand, 14%. So... Uh, the coach is well and truly in favour of a team out in the west of Perth. So amongst them, there's more uh, questions put to the coaches there in that survey. Now, also on the back page of the telly and uh, also on Manly, but on the field, Turbo on track to start the season is the headline there. So uh, Tom Trebojevich fronted the media there yesterday at Brookvale and uh, we'll spoke about basically just looking to I guess, achieve mini goals and uh, along the way. And it's all about changing his mechanics after his sessions with Bill Knowles over in the US to build his body to be able to play as long as possible. Uh, though round one is... Uh, well, the confidence is growing that he'll be ready for round one against Canterbury. And uh, also, new coach Anthony Seabold hit back at uh, well, Peter Peters, who said on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend program a few weeks ago, uh, that uh, Manly might have to look at offloading Turbo should the injuries continue. 
We discussed it a little bit yesterday, and uh, Seabold said that, well, he didn't think it was an educated comment, and it was disappointing from a former player. So there you go, a bit of a response there from Seabold, who's always going to back his player, and also said, uh, well, indicated that, you know, he's a fullback. He won't be moving to the centres. Yeah, well, you've got to make sure that he's fit, first and foremost, and they've paid this money for Tom to go over there and get the knowledge that he needs to come back here and recondition his body to have him right to go to play a full season. And I think all Manly fans are hoping that. In fact, I reckon all league fans are hoping that Tom T has a successful yeah. year. You know, they want to see the best players on the field. Yeah. And Tom is an elite player, and I love seeing him play. And if he's fit and healthy, Seabs is right. I mean, he, he's going to be the fullback. But if he starts getting niggling injuries and he can't get constantly out there on the field and you've got him on a long-term deal, then you start to ponder, geez, do I look at playing him in a different position? Is that going to help? Now, I don't know whether it'll help or not, but one thing you do know, playing in the centres and playing a fullback, you're not doing as much running. Because as fullback, you've just got to be so fit these days and you've got to cover so much um, you know, ground and you've, you've got to put your body in different situations to what the centre position asks of you. So um, I think that first and foremost, we're just hoping that Tom can get his body healthy, gets out in the field and shows everyone what type of player he is, and that is an elite player of the game. Uh, back page of the Herald and the Australian as well. Eddie Jones, after he fronted the media yesterday, we left here in 1977. To come back now is pretty special, is the headline there. And uh, it is Jones with the Ella brothers. And they all went to Matraville High School. Uh, there, so uh, that's where the media conference was yesterday, and all the Ella brothers were there with Eddie Jones yesterday as well. Uh, Jones set sights on Kiwis and then world domination, the headline on the back page of the Australian. And just a reminder, we've got Eddie Jones on the program after eight o'clock this morning. And uh, amongst uh, some of his messages yesterday, he said, We need to create role models and we need to create heroes for the young kids. He played down the notion that he's the Messiah but was adamant the plan is to win the World Cup and they're coming after the All Blacks and the Bledisloe as well. He's bullish about the talent. Adamant a World 15 would have a few Aussies in there. I've got to say, I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe at best, Teniela Tupo, who's now injured, for the has a long-term oh, injury. Hooper Michael close. Hooper would probably get on the bench, but he'd be, the, he'd be they're there. the two. I can't see anyone else. Oh, Those two would yeah. be it, I would say. Yeah. Oh, Look, I think if we were picking it, different to Eddie, but if we were picking it, mm. um, there's only one in my mind that stands out that would be in the conversation, and that'd be the captain or the ex-captain, Michael Hooper. Mm. I think he deserved to be in a World 15 every day of the week, or at least in that squad. Um, he's just a wonderful player. And I know that, uh, well, hopefully he's on the mend and he's mentally refreshed and he's in for a big year because I think the Wallabies will need him if they're to win the World Cup. Back page of the Herald as well. Warner fears rising stars will reject test careers. Uh, David Warner speaking yesterday before they flew out to India and he was asked, well, he was asked specifically about Thunder teammate Ollie Davies and whether uh, he could one day break into the Australian test team. But uh, Warner's response was, well, he... Sort of likes playing white ball cricket. So there you go. The changing generation. Here he is playing with younger blokes who are coming through the 2020 system. Mm. And they just think differently to how we do, I guess, Pup. That mm. maybe they, the new generation, and this is what I feared from the moment T20 cricket took off. Exactly this. Is that the, the thirst for the baggy green will at some stage, with all this money and all these leagues, and we've talked about, freelance players potentially, well, it's happening now, that, that players won't sign central contracts. They'll go around and play mm. leagues around the world and it will be just become less attractive, dare I say it, to go and chase a baggy green cap. Yep, I agree. How sad. Oh, yeah, I, I certainly agree. You know, I think a lot of these young players are happy playing cricket that goes for three hours and get paid a lot more money, travel the world doing that. Um, you can, you know, I think it's it's a lot easier to train for one form of the game. If you just want to train for test cricket, for example, or you just want to train for 2020 cricket, not try and train uh, and have all the skills for, for all three formats, it's, it's a lot easier route to take. Um, and so, there's no doubt some people will, will make that choice. Um, some people will want to play test cricket and not get the opportunity. 
But, yeah, I think the more 2020 continues to grow, uh, the more you're going to see young players make that their their only focus. If they can play in five tournaments a year around the world and um, and play it well, they're, they're certainly going to be financially set up and they'll have a long career. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. And great news for Harry Sutar. Socceroos defender set to be transferred into the Premier League and to Leicester City. And of course, the champions still can't believe they won the Premier League, what, some seven years ago. Uh, but uh, they're only one point off the, the relegation zone at the moment, around halfway through the season. But uh, a £15 million transfer fee, so that's about $26.5 million Australian. And uh, there'll be $5 million, uh, add-on in add-ons as well uh, to that transfer fee. But uh, he's set to go from Stoke in the Championship to Leicester. And he was one of the great stories for the Socceroos of the World Cup, wasn't he, fellas? His performances were such a factor in getting us through to the round of 16. He was very good, Ben. Yeah. And because he's so big, I reckon that's an advantage as well. Um, and he's, and again, I, I don't know a lot about soccer, but he was very clean in his attack on the ball. You know, there's some footage I saw last night of him when, you know, he was in defence there and coming across and just, it'd be hard not to make contact with the opposition's legs. And he was just, Straight at the ball, um, he controlled uh, the defence line very well. Uh, he looked always in control. That was the other thing when you watch him play. He doesn't look under pressure. It just looked like he was loping, mm-hmm. loping around the field and covering the ground pretty easily. So hopefully he'll have an outstanding rest of the season with Leicester. They stay up and he can take them higher up the uh, Premier League. Now, did you make some calls yesterday, Loz, to help save the Junie Bank? <laughs> By the way, what about the issue with the bank at Bankstown? I know. Bit of a stink, wasn't it? We had a text to someone text in saying they worked with your mum there at the bank there in Cabramatta yeah, yeah, yesterday. yesterday yeah. I forgot who sent that in, but mm. uh, yeah, gee, I, I hope she didn't ever encounter what we saw on the news there at the Bankstown. So maybe bank why they're closing night. the bank mm. down in Junie? Loz, too many stinks. No, not, not, not many stinks there, mate, but I, I, you know that stink at Bankstown? It was in the food hall, and it moved around. Oh, and ended up near, in the bank. ended up near the bank. Okay, yeah, gosh. it wasn't just the fighting over was. the teller who was getting more money out. Mm. It was about the the food. Mm. Teenagers in the food court. Women involved. Seriously, what's going on? Can happen, mate. Can happen. Deary me. Anyway, save the Junie Bank, the Com Bank. Uh, now we've got Dick Fane coming up. Uh, Paddy Mills is among trade rumours, by the way. Ahead of next week's deadline in the NBA, he was superb yesterday. Sort of out of the rotation there at Brooklyn, but they've got some uh, players sitting out at the moment. The old load management in the NBA, and he had 21 points in Brooklyn's 121 to 104 win over the Lakers yesterday. Hello, Dick. How are you? Doing well, boys. How you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. And uh, let's review these championship games, which saw Philadelphia and Kansas City triumphant. Uh, let's start in the NFC. So 31-7, to the Eagles over the 49ers, who suffered... Well, I, I, if you call Shanahan, you were probably barely sleeping uh, after the <laughs> quarterback nightmare that was this season. And to have, well, Brock Purdy, who had just such, such a stunning start to his career, and then suffer, well, a bad injury. He's out for, what, six months after having, what, an elbow injury at a crucial point in the most crucial game of the season. And now the question is, what do they do with the quarterback position going <laughs> forward? It is, oh, It would be a nightmare for him trying to sort this out. Absolutely. Well, just to, to review, the San Francisco 49ers started the season with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Trey Lance went out for the season. Then Jimmy Garoppolo took over and he got hurt. And then Brock Purdy just kept winning games as the third-string quarterback and got them all the way to the NFC Championship game. And then he goes out with a torn elbow in the first quarter of the game. And then the only other quarterback they have on the roster, Josh Johnson, gets a concussion like it felt like 30 <laughs> seconds later. The San Francisco 49ers were in a position in the biggest game of the season where they literally did not have a player that could throw a forward pass on their football team. And so, obviously, 
that game was going to go exactly the way that game was going to go. It kind of reminds me back. I don't know if you guys had Nintendos when you were growing up, but I had the, I had the Nintendo, right? And if, and if I was playing Tecmo Bowl, my favorite NFL game on, on the Nintendo, and, I, and something you know, horrible happened in the first quarter, you know, I, might just, I might just move over close and my foot would hit that reset button. Oh, sorry about that. I hit the reset button and yeah. the game started over. That's what we needed, guys. I wanted to see a matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles because I thought it was going to be a great matchup. We didn't get a chance to see that because one team couldn't even throw a pass. So I didn't learn anything about the Philadelphia Eagles in that game, and I wanted to, guys, because I've been telling you for weeks, I want to know how good the Eagles are. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know how good the Eagles are because in the last month, they lost both of their games without Jalen Hurts. Then Jalen Hurts comes back. They beat a mediocre Giants team twice. And then they beat a team without a quarterback in San Francisco. So I have no idea how good the Philadelphia Eagles are. Dick, was that game over for the 49ers as yes. soon as they lost Purdy? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, okay. Game over. Game over. And then doubly game over when Josh Johnson went out because at least he could throw a, a, a forward pass. But keep in mind... Josh Johnson has been with 10 football teams in the last decade. So that's the type of journeyman we're talking about that was playing quarterback for the Niners. How realistic is it that we might see Tom Brady at the 49ers? I think that's the right answer. I think that is the answer for the 49ers if Tom Brady wants to go there. And reports are he wanted to go there before he went to Tampa Bay. So I think it's the perfect scenario for San Francisco. Tom Brady is from California. He would be going home. He would be playing one more year. Just you know, He only signs one, two-year contracts anyway. Sign him to a one-year contract. Make him the starting quarterback for one year. Put Trey Lance and Brock Purdy behind him. Have him, tut- you know, have him be the tutor for both Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. And then the following year, whoever wins the battle between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy becomes the starting quarterback. I think that's the right idea for the Niners because... Their window of opportunity is right now. You see how great a football team the Niners are, except for the quarterback position. And if they just get a guy that can manage and be a leader, um, I think the 49ers could win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. And I don't think, I don't know if there's any other place Tom Brady can go and legitimately win a Super Bowl. It's interesting, Dick, because both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy coming off major injuries, there's... You can't be sure that they'll ever be the same player again. That's right. That's right, particularly because Trey Lance is coming off a mobility injury, right? A leg injury, and uh, he relies on his his mobility. You know, Brock Purdy, I'm pretty confident he'll be able to return just because, I mean, Purdy doesn't rely on great arm strength anyway. I mean, he relies on his brain. He relies on uh, his ability to get out of the pocket, and I've been very impressed and how he's been able to make some decisions when getting rushed and kind of flushing out of the pocket and making the right play. I'm not sold that Bra- I'm not sold that either one of them are franchise quarterbacks. But I think by bringing in a guy like Tom Brady for a year, you have another 12 months if you're Kyle Shanahan and general manager John Lynch to make the decision on whether Trey Lance or Brock Purdy are franchise guys for the future. The AFC Championship game, and, uh, well, it was that last penalty which ensured a Harrison Butker field goal got Kansas City back to the Super Bowl, 23-20 over Cincinnati. Uh, To what extent were the Bengals hosed, not necessarily in that call, Loz and I agree it was the right call, but over the course of the game? Well, there there, there seemingly was a lot of penalties that were going against Cincinnati, and I can understand if you were a Bengal fan why you might think uh, that they got hosed. But, you know, in going back and looking at at some of those penalties, they really didn't impact the game much because, you know, if you you had the the do-over play where it was third and nine and the ref, the back judge, blew the whistle and nobody heard it and the play resumed and Kansas City was stopped, and then they were able to have another uh, another crack at it. Well, Kansas City punted on that possession anyway, so there wasn't really any direct play where you felt like it was a bad call that led to points for Kansas City. That being said, if I was a Bengal fan, I'd be upset at the, uh, the officiating. And I think more of the ire right now is directed at the problem we have with NFL officials in general. And the problem is NFL officials are not full-time officials, uh, NFL officials are 
there's a lot of guys that are in their 50s and even early 60s that are officiating NFL games. And these are issues because now you have so many more cameras, you have super slow-mo replays that are just showing the egregious nature of these calls and these missed calls. And there, there are ways to make officials better. You can train them. You know, you can have them work in the offseason doing USFL games or having them do spring games or putting one of those Oculus headsets on them and saying, you are a full-time employee of the NFL. You are going to train for three, four, five hours a day with these headsets on, and you are going to make calls, and you're going to be sharper once the games start in September. And they're just not doing that right now, and there's a big outcry for that to change. Now, Dick... In the lead-up to this game, you always talk about don't give the opposition added motivation and don't throw fuel on the fire. Now, was it some of the Bengals players that was talking about Burrowhead, or was it yeah Burrowhead Stadium, or was it more just the the mayor of Cincinnati talking about that? <laughs> it was a combination of both, but anytime you have a tiny little you know match flame of motivation. What's going to happen, right? Kansas City is going to throw gasoline on it and make it just much, much bigger than it actually is. And that's what that's what happened. I mean, you can have one or two comments. You can have that proclamation by the mayor, which, uh, you know, was was entertaining, but uh, certainly did not help the cause. <laughs> As you had uh, Travis Kelsey going, you know, calling him out by name on the. Uh, on the field after the after the game, but certainly Kansas City was a very very motivated team, and being the perceived underdog, and you can you know you can argue whether they were really the underdog or not. I mean, I I kind of felt like, you know, when I picked Kansas City this Sunday when I was on with you on Monday, they kind of it kind of felt like an underdog pick. I kind of felt like I was picking both underdogs in these games because it seemed like the public was really pushed towards Philly and the public was really pushed towards Cincinnati. And we've got the same situation coming up in the Super Bowl. I feel like I think I can get Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, a top five quarterback in NFL history and a top potentially a top five coach, particularly if he wins this game in NFL history. And I'm the underdog. I, you know, I thrive on picks like that. I love that situation. I can't believe they'll be underdogs. I mean, Mahomes will be fitter than what he was last week, and he's got an extra, what, a week to get right because there's, what, 14 days between the game and the Super Bowl. So you'd think that he'll come up close to 100% fit, and he's the best quarterback by far. Yes, and, and I, I worry about his targets a little bit, his wide receivers, because remember, a couple of them were injured before the game. A couple of them went out during the game. I mean, he had no Juju Smith-Schuster. He had no McCole Hardman. He had no Justin Watson. I mean, he was throwing to absolute no-names other than Travis Kelsey, the tight end. Now, Marquez Valdez-Scandling made a couple of really big catches for Mahomes late in that game. But Valdez Scandling was a castaway from Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers was like, we don't have any good wide receivers. We got to get rid of this guy. So he goes to Kansas City and here he is going to the Super Bowl after making some big plays. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers is doing who knows what in the, in the wilderness right now. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. We'll do obviously have a full Super Bowl preview next week, but it'll be fascinating to see how the betting moves. Uh, in the next week or so. So at the moment, it's one and a half with us. The Eagles, the minus. Kansas City, plus one and a half. And it's a dollar eighty against $2 in that head-to-head market as it stands. But, Dick, uh, just in the NBA, we're not far away from the trade deadline. And uh, uh, we'll be watching Paddy Mills. Uh, he's sort of fallen out of the rotation there at Brooklyn, even though he had a good game yesterday against the Lakers, considering there are a couple of players out. So he got more minutes. But uh, what teams do you think will make big, big moves? And what players in particular are the ones to watch heading towards this trade deadline? Well, that's interesting because everybody's talking about the Lakers are the team that, that needs to make trades, and they certainly need to uh, to upgrade their talent. There's no question. They're just way too LeBron James-centric. And even when LeBron James does take over, and I did see that uh, foul now that I wasn't able to comment on when I was on with you guys on Monday, and that was... Uh, that was pretty egregious. I mean, I don't think I don't think LeBron needed to react quite the way that he reacted, but uh, still, that was a that was an egregious call. But they're slip slip sliding away. If they, if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to improve themselves. I, I think Portland's going to have to do the same. And really, all those teams, guys, that are 
in that 7 through 11, 12 in the Western Conference? Because the Western Conference is really, truly wide open. I don't think the East is. I think the East is pretty well set. You got, you got Boston, you got Milwaukee, you got Philadelphia, and then a distant fourth, you've got Brooklyn. And I don't think any of those other teams in the East should even bother trying to make trades to improve themselves because they're not going to be better than those teams that I just mentioned. In the West, though, it's wide open because you have teams with really very limited or no playoff winning experience like Sacramento, like Memphis, like Denver, like New Orleans that are all standing in there in the playoff race. And there's what? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are 10 teams separated by four games in the standings right now. So I think that's where you will see teams making moves in that range between the Clippers all the way down to the Lakers in the Western Conference. Those are the teams to watch for because one savvy move can can elevate a team out of that pack to where they could finish as high as four or five in the Western Conference. And just in golf, Dick, Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed, they really set the scene <laughs> for more live v establishment animosity for 2023 there at the Dubai Desert Classic last week. Well, this is where we need to see, uh, you know, the match that we've had in the past, you know, where you have two on two and it's always like Tom Brady against Peyton Manning and, you know, Rory against Tiger and stuff like that. We need a PGA versus live match. (laughs) We need Tiger Woods, Patrick Reed, Rory McIlroy, and Greg Norman. How about that for a match? How would that be? You'd need security. Yeah, bring it on. It's fascinating, guys. It's absolutely fascinating. And I'm really interested. It's kind of the one one place in sports that I'd like to fast forward five years and find out what the golf world looks like. Is it really going to continue to be fractured like this? Where we And, and now we've got Rory McIlroy's league that he's kind of starting, this uh, video game type league that he's starting. He's getting bigger names in it. It's going to be interesting to see how golf uh, ends up. I mean, I'm still a PGA Tour fan first, but... We now have Live Golf on a television network here for the first time. It wasn't even on TV last year here, but we had a network pick it up. And so uh, I think some eyeballs, particularly this week, will be tuned to that tournament in Saudi Arabia because the Pebble Beach tournament is awful. I mean, other than... Other than Jordan Spieth and Matthew Fitzpatrick and Victor Hovland, there is nobody playing at Pebble Beach this week. Yeah, wow. Mate, thanks so much as always. Chat next week ahead of the Super Bowl. Sounds good, guys. We'll see you. Dick Fane there. Yep. Super Bowl 57. Monday week, we'll be at the Stain Hotel in Manly. Uh, and uh, it'll be a big, big day there on uh, for Super Bowl 57 there in Kick off around 10? Uh, 10.30 for, will be kickoff. 10.30. You, know, you need the anthem and all that stuff. Before you can't then. miss that. Who's oh. singing? Who are the, who's uh, the entertainment? I, I don't know who's doing the anthem, but you know, I'm sure we'll have a market up on how long J-Lo. we'll go for. J-Lo might be back. Bring Beyonce? Back. How good is J-Lo look? Yeah, she's... How old is she? 50? Don't know. Odd. Yeah. I think if I remember correctly, you pay to sing at the Super Bowl. So Bruno, oh, for the Bru- halftime show. For halftime show. Bruno right. Mars, yeah. I think, paid $11 million yeah. to perform at the Super Bowl. Good best investment. Adver- yeah, best advertising you can get. Unbelievable. So many eyeballs on that television. Yeah. It's a, it'll be close to one of the biggest sporting events. It is. Uh, I think as far as eyeballs on it globally at one time, it has the biggest TV audience right. in the world. Yeah, Either that or India, India versus Pakistan. <laughs> Yeah. World Cup final. Yeah. Which is well, the game you commentated, didn't mm. you? India-Pakistan, 2020 World Cup. Semi-final 20... Was it 2020 World Cup? Yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Was that 2020? I can't even remember. Yeah, anyway, any time they play against each other, it's massive. Uh, there's a League Cup semi-final, second leg, uh, coming up in about 20 minutes' time. It kicks off this morning. Newcastle up against Southampton. And uh, Newcastle at home taking a 1-0 lead on aggregate into that game. And the market has Newcastle $1.38, Southampton $8, the draw $4.50. And Manchester United have a healthy lead over Nottingham Forest. That game's tomorrow, their second leg. Uh, League Cup semi-final, United's $1.45, Forest six fifty. The draw $4.50. 
for that game. Now, we're, we're plenty of texts here. Yep, Rihanna's doing the halftime entertainment Rihanna. at the Super Bowl. Clarky. There you go. There's good news. And uh, already... Like Rihanna. It's... Just had a baby, didn't she, yeah. I think, not too long ago? Not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Can't help you there. Yeah, I think she had a bub not long ago, but yeah. Well, Big fish, Rihanna. Well, there's a market for what her first song performed will be mm. uh, with Tab. So Diamonds, $4 joint favourite with... Um, is that Like a Diamond? Yeah, that's Shine like a Diamond. Bright, shine Bright Like, like a, a Diamond. diamond. Yeah. With This Is What You Came For, which I think is the Calvin Harris song, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the $4 joint favourite in a competitive market. Okay. What's, what would be her most famous song, Rihanna? Uh, One of those two? Oh, really? Probably. Right. Yeah. Shine Like a Diamond. Well, what about the old Umbrella? Oh, Umbrella's a cracker. Yeah. Eight dollars yeah. yeah. for the punters. Old school, bit of umbrella. <laughs> Can't have that if it's not raining, though. You know. Gee, I tell you what, it's an extensive list of songs here. So uh, under Super Bowl novelties and more and more marks. Mm, but they usually have someone else that. performing with them. Well, there's a market for that as well. Who who is special going guest to be, performer? Yeah. yeah, who is it? Uh, well, Calvin Harris is a dollar thirty-five, but they've collaborated on a few songs mm. together, haven't they, Clark? Well, if Jay, they've collaborated. J- they will be together. There, you'd yeah. think so. Jay Z's a dollar fifty, so no, and Drake a dollar seventy-five. Yeah, I reckon she's going to go. Big fish. I reckon you might see. Yeah, but Jay Z isn't he married to Beyonce? Beyonce. So you're he's not, not seeing Jay Z. Nah, he's not going to go with Beyonce. Not now. Nah. I think there was rumor mill about those two years gone by as well. Uh, remember, remember there was a. I think it was Beyonce's sister was having a go at Jay Z in the lift. It was filmed on that's camera. Right. I remember that. There was a rumor mill that that was over. Yeah, well, he won't Rihanna, be there. So I don't think Jay Z or Beyonce will be there. No. So I'm going Calvin Harris. Who was the no, third? No, Drake. Pick? Drake for her and Drake are close. Drake. Yeah. Paul, Drake. Mac- Paul McCartney, six dollars. Well, that'd be odd. bit of old school. How would that work? I love that. Yeah, I, I love it as well. Yeah. But how, Rihanna don't know and Paul what McCartney. Song. Don't know. Well, how Re- could they possibly collaborate? Oh, they'd find a way. Yeah, right. Okay. Two great artists, I'll find a way. Anyway. She won't be on her own, put it that way. There'll no. be, what about a bit of an old school Madonna just showing up out of the blue for Like a Virgin? Mm, not Is she market. on the market? No, well, not market. That, doesn't no. Mean, that doesn't mean everything, you know? No, it doesn't. Shakira's there. She's newly mm, single, no, I, I think. Isn't Shakira in prison for fraud? Uh, right, well, you can back her at $11 if you think she'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, she was, I think she was in a bit of trouble for, actually it wasn't for, I think it might have been tax evasion. There was talk she was going to go to prison, so I don't know what's happening with Shakira, but it sounds like she must be fine if she's a chance of rocking the Super Bowl. Uh, and Finchop says he's all over Umbrella at $8. Good okay. on you, Finchop. Uh, give us a call, 135353. <laughs> uh, now, just some news with Parramatta. We mentioned earlier this morning that they did re-sign uh, young centre Will Penasini for another two years, but uh, also saw that Ryan Madison... Uh, failed in his bid to have a three-match suspension from the grand final, his crusher tackle on Dylan Edwards, failed to have it changed to a fine. Now, remember that, uh, well, he took the fine, I think it was $4,000, instead of the suspension when offered, and, you know, you're charged, well, the charge sheet comes out the morning after the grand final, you've got 24 hours to put your plea in, basically, and Madison at the time went... Well, I've paid enough fines this year. I'm taking it. Uh, I'm taking the suspension, mm. and obviously copped a bit of criticism for that. Uh, and you can understand why. And so now, obviously, the Eels. Well, he's probably had a change of heart, and the Eels have gone and argued for. Well, we want to take the 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 um, fine. the fine now, not the mm. suspension. Yeah. And they argued that, well, you know, only having 24 hours after a grand final and the fact he's had a fan day, he's probably been out with his teammates celebrating the season, etc., that, you know, he hasn't put the plea that he actually really wanted when he sat down and thought about it in. But I have to say, unlucky rubber ducky. Yeah. I, I think... He... I can understand that, though. After a grand final, you've been charged. You've just lost. It's like, even if you win, you get scum, mate. Just, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to pay that. I, was, I don't even want to worry about it. Just accept it and move on. And then you probably think about it days later. I'm not so sure. You think about it days later. But you, once, once Mate, you play, the fine was $2,000 or missed three games. $4,000. sorry, or missed three games. It's a no-brainer. Once you're, once you're in that environment after a grand final, mate, you've just – the season's over. And if you've lost, mate, you're just shattered. You're just like, mate, I don't care. That's your – you're Harvey Norman. Yeah, and then, then so sure. probably a week later, you're starting to think, oh, geez, think about next year and think about, oh, geez, I'm going to, if I pay $4,000 here, I, 
I will miss. I won't miss any games. I've I've pleaded guilty. I don't want to. I don't think I can plead guilty. I think I want three games of footy though for four grand. You know what I'm saying? No brainer. Yeah, but mate, when you finish a grand final, mate, you don't care. You just like get it over and done with. I don't care. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just say, man? Okay, take my four grand. Get on with it. Like I don't care. You're right. Here's four grand. Get on with it. Well, he probably thought that he's trying to prove a point that this. Fine, yeah, he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. He was yeah. blowing up about the fines. Yeah, which is probably true as well. Like and, I think and that's why fair I try call, and but... fight it. So I'm just, I'm just, mate. You, you don't, you're not thinking it through clearly. Yeah. There's no way in the world. Yeah, okay. Twenty four hours after a grand final, you think you're thinking much at all. Well, mate, well you tell me after you win no, the Ashes, of course, or yeah, lose the Ashes. Yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad time to have that conversation. But yeah. I guess I, what I'm saying is, no matter what state I'm in, mate, I'm not picking missing four, three games with my team for four grand. Yeah, but you're not. You don't think like that. You're not thinking like, okay. oh, next year, six months away. You, what you all you're thinking is, mate. You know what? I don't care. But that's never going to be taken well, Oz. Under any circumstances, yeah. a player opting to take. A three-game suspension over, over a fine in any circumstances is yeah. never going to be well received. Wait, how's his, no, teammate, how's his I, teammates take that as well? I don't, I don't know. Well, he misses games against. But you've got the option. Don't have the option there. Mm. You miss. I, 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 I can <laughs> understand. <laughs> I can understand why he did it. Most definitely, I can understand. I'm telling you, the last thing you want to do is deal with going to a judiciary and fighting it, fighting it two days after. But a did he have to fight it, or could he just say, "No, nah, I'll take the money. I'll take the fine." No, over well, the games. you could, but I think he was steadfast in. He his didn't. He didn't think thinking he that he was. $1. Yeah, mate. Oh. And okay. then you just go, oh, yeah, "Find me. Uh, cop the suspension. I'm going to cop the suspension." Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's amazing how you're thinking, and then after you have, you know. A hangover. Well, you've, you've, <laughs> you get you've, hangover. you've thought about it for four or five days. Yeah. You, you know, you're going through it in a different process. Yeah. You're, you're thinking about it differently, and then you go, "Oh, geez, I might have made a hasty decision here." But yeah, fair call. Yeah, that, that's all I'm saying. I, I'm not saying anything else other than you just want it out over and done with. You, you couldn't really care about too much in the world after you've just lost a grand final. Well, he's leaving his team shorthanded for games against Melbourne, Cronulla, and Manly. To start the season. So there <laughs> no gimmies there, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, we're going to we're going to the bush now. And uh, I think it was the day after Boxing Day. My old man, my sister and I, we went for a drive out to Yugara. And uh, it was it was hard to watch actually to see the damage that was done by those floods uh, late last year and uh, none of the businesses had reopened. There was uh, Lifeline Central West had a tent in the middle of town there uh, where they were just handing out Free burgers, basically, to everyone, just to, you know, people could make donations and, you know, they're providing food for the town, uh, for the locals, which is great to see. But uh, there was a lot of rubbish everywhere. You could see um, trucks taking a lot of rubbish away. Uh, and uh, you could see houses off their foundations. Uh, really, really sad situation after those floods. And joining us now from the local footy team out there. And, uh, well, he's a local there. Andrew Barnes of the Ugara Golden Eagles. We spoke to him last year and he joins us now again. G'day, Andrew. How are you? G'day, Meadow. G'day, boys. How are you going? Yeah, really good, thanks. So uh, just paint the picture for us. How's the recovery coming along? Yeah, mate, it's really slow. It's like we we got warned from the start that you'll get forgotten about pretty quickly. And, mate, that's definitely the case. I don't think it helped having it over the Christmas period either where everyone's busy and we, we understand. But, um. Yeah, there's probably only a couple of people probably back in their houses um, fully, but yeah, most of them are either living in caravans up at the showground or at their house or in any sort of accommodation they can get. But it's um, yeah, no, mate, pretty sad, and it'll be pretty pretty long year for Priority Gara. Yeah, I was going to ask Andrew, any idea of of the recovery, the, the length of time? Uh, I'd say a year, mate. I'd oh, say God. yeah. To be honest, to be people to be like fully finished, and I mean a lot of people too have never renovated before, so like yeah. that's an ordeal. Then getting tradies is tough at the moment, and yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd say to be a pretty long time to be honest. How's the spirit in the community, mate? Still amazing. Like it's been amazing from the start, so it continues to keep rolling on and. Yeah, well, we know since you've been there, like the the cafes back open, the supermarkets open, and just just little things like that really really boost the town. Mm. Andrew, what other fundraising ideas or plans have you got mate, in place for the town? 
Yeah, so we um, with the old boys with the footy club, we um, we normally have a masters tournament in Yagara, but of course we don't have a, a ground or anything to have it anymore. So um, our big brothers over at Forbes have stepped in to host it for us. So yeah, we've got about twenty odd teams coming to that, but it's on March eighteen. But we're trying to raise five hundred grand before that on the day. So. We've got a GoFundMe page going, but it's even better for people if they want to donate. Um, we've been given lots of merchandise from NRL clubs, signed jerseys, um, accommodation experiences, and that'll continue to keep rolling on. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of money, but it's, I don't know, it just feels like it's people have just dropped off, um, things have dropped off, which I guess has got to happen at some point, but... I think it's important to keep it keep it in people's minds and um, talking to you guys definitely helps. So, um, yeah, we're just sort of op- hoping that people can open up their wallets and buy some raffle tickets or even better, just to donate. How far away are you from that target? Mate, we're starting it today. Oh, so right. yep. 500 grand away. 500 grand, right here. So, <laughs> so tell, target. tell us again, Andrew. So where do we go? So the GoFundMe page. So what, 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 what's the website? How do we, um, you know, Google the right thing, I guess? Yeah, the best thing to do is to go to our website, which is www.yagaramasters.com, and it will have all the raffle details, donation details. It will also have some some stories, some human stories of what people went through on the day. Like, um, yeah, people got away with their lives, really, but there's some really hard-to-read stories from that. So that will give you some context as well. So, um, yeah, that's um, definitely the best place to go. Okay, ugaramasters.com. That's E-U-G-O-W-R-A masters.com for our listeners uh, where you can uh, donate generously. And uh, what's the situation with the footy club? I mean, are you going to be able to play this year? I mean, what, what's the deal as far as the season's concerned? Yeah, no, they're definitely going ahead. So, yeah, they've got their captain coach and they've got um, the girls' league tag and the juniors' team. So, yeah, no, it's full steam ahead. So... Still no golfers or anything at the ground, but they're, they're coming. So, yeah, no, it's, I think it's important to have footy, to be honest. It needs, needs to be something to take people's mind off things and to look forward to on the weekend. So, yeah, it is definitely important. I saw the cafe. You said the cafe is open. Is the pub back open? Uh, so the pub is not back open. It's probably going to be a long time before that does open. So our, our 500 grand will help go to that. It's sort of... Um, we're not the pub with no beer with a town with no pub. Our other pub burnt down 10 years ago and this one got pretty much washed away. So it's it's probably sponsored footy for nearly 100 years, to be honest. So it's sort of time for us to give back to them and it's important to get it back going. It employs a lot of people. It's sort of a heartbeat of the town. Um, Barry Beath actually signed his St George contract down the end of the bar. So it's got lots of league history. So yeah, we're definitely going to try and push to get that back open as quick as possible. Okay. Well, great stuff, Andrew. Uh, well done for uh, keeping it in everyone's minds as well. And uh, like I said, I went for a drive out there. It was pretty devastating to see uh, the damage that had been caused. And uh, well, these towns, you know, they're, they're the lifeblood, aren't they? New South Wales and the country. And, and uh, well, good luck with it all. And uh, let's check in again in a few months' time or a few weeks' time. Thanks, boys. Adam Pengilly, good morning to you. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Now we're, we've got a few international Raiders tar- targeting the championships, I see. Yeah, it's getting close. I think William Hager's going to bring a team of horses down to be put in quarantine at Canterbury and ready themselves for the championships. There's been a lot of speculation about Aidan O'Brien and Joseph O'Brien as well, potentially bringing horses down. Obviously, that deadline's getting pretty close to have those horses enter quarantine and, and travel down to Sydney. So we'll get some more clarity on that, I'd imagine, in the next week or so. But when you're looking at trainers of that calibre over there in the Northern Hemisphere, and particularly the O'Briens, who have been very sparse travellers to Australia the last couple of years, they no doubt have been upset with the... I suppose the harder restrictions being imposed on horses coming down to Melbourne for the spring carnival. So there's a window to, to, to bring a couple of horses to Sydney potentially. So yeah, we'll wait and see how that plays out, but no doubt we'll add a bit of a, a sprinkling of interest to our, to the autumn carnival up here in Sydney. If that, that does transpire and um, no doubt some, see some really quality horse flesh down here in Sydney. Yeah, it's always good to see these overseas Raiders come here for this autumn championship and see how they go against our best, but we'll see how that sort of plays out. But what's Zach Lloyd been charged by the stewards with? Oh, another. Interesting inquiry laws that's been conducted earlier this week. Zach Lloyd's going to spend a couple of weeks on the sideline on top of a careless riding ban he's already incurred at the moment. Now, this is over, again, uh, use of the mobile phone in the jockey's room, which we saw um, pop up in the Tommy Berry inquiry recently. And 
Zuck was found to have used his mobile phone in the jockey's room on several occasions. Nothing nefarious about what he was doing, but I think there was a, a lot of text messages exchanged with his father, Jeff Lloyd, who was obviously a prominent professional jockey in his time, one of the great riders, obviously, who, who competed for a very long time, just trying to get some advice from his dad, I think, about how he's riding and potentially how a track's playing. And you just can't have your mobile phone in the jockey's room. It's as simple as that. So the stewards have pinged him for that, but also they've they've got him on betting on a on a thoroughbred race, which is illegal for any jockey to do. And it's, it's quite bizarre, this story. He... He's included a thoroughbred race in New Zealand as part of a, a $6 multi-bet he's had. So for whatever reason, it's only a small bet. I don't know whether he's made an accident or not, but the stewards have found that he's, he was found to have bet on a on a thoroughbred race. which was against the rules of racing for, for any jockeys involved. So he'll spend a couple of weeks on the sidelines, Zach, and let's hope he's seen back in the saddle, I suppose, late February, early March. We know it's traditionally a tough time for apprentices when it comes closer to the carnival. It's harder for them to get rides in Sydney, but... He is a very, very promising jockey, and let's hope there's just only a minor setback in his career. Adam, just with phones being in the jockeys' rooms, do they not take them off them when they walk in? Yeah, Loz, I, I mentioned this on the summer program when you guys are away on holidays, and like the Tommy Berry case in particular, like he, he was found to have used his phone over a 12-month period almost 70-odd different times, like 70-odd different days. It's, it's, it's just remarkable, and I sort of asked the question, well, Who's policing this? Like, yeah, how, how are they getting away with it? Just makes sense that if you walk in, hand your phone over. Exactly what happens yeah. at cricket. There's some yeah. security at the front of the change room, so you can have it on the bus. You can yeah, have, you it, have it wherever, but when you one, walk into this room... Before you step foot yeah. in the change room, you have to put it into a box. That's generally what happens, Clarky. A lot of jockeys do do that. They hand it into the stewards or whatever, and they collect it at the end of the day. But for whatever reason, some jockeys haven't been doing that, and they've been trying to sneakily use it. On a couple of occasions, and not for anything you know sinister or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. It it's, just takes all the innuendo yeah. out of exactly. You can't exactly. be accused yeah. of anything if no. you haven't got your phone no. on you, can you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's an area that definitely the stewards and, and officials will be looking to clamp down on, given recent events in the last couple of months. Mm. And let's hope we put an end to it. Like, no doubt, jockeys have personal circumstances. They might have an emergency with a family over the course of the day, and, and that's fine. I, I understand that, but there should be someone able to relay a message to them very quickly. You know, yeah. allow them that ability to talk to a family member if something happens. Yeah. Um, throughout a day, but I just don't want to say jockeys using the phone so regularly as it has been found in the last couple of months. Now, as I get your uh, mail for today at Canterbury, I see Craig Williams is flying north to ride in a midweek meeting at Canterbury here in Sydney. I hope that's a hint, Jared. I hope that's a hint. So I like this filly today. Uh, Race one, number eight, Queen of Dragons. I thought she did a really good job on debut in that Red Resistance Steel City race. They went very slow up front, and she didn't have much of a chance from back in the field. And that form has definitely been frank with those two horses running so well on Saturday in, in stakes races. So I'm happy to take on the favourite here. Uh, I think she can run really well today with Craig Williams flying up to Sydney. I think that's probably a pointer to what the Snowdens think of her heading towards some of the major two-year-old races. So race one, number eight. Queen of Dragons, the best bet on the program at Canterbury today. With Willow in the saddle for the Snowdens, $3.50 with Tab Race, one number eight, Queen of Dragons. And just interested, uh, as I see here on the text line, Loz, uh, Ryan Madison not getting much uh, support, I guess, uh, for for Dougie at Piermont and others. Dora the Free Pourer from Eleonora on the text line. Uh, Craig as well. Uh, having no sympathy for Ryan Madison for failing to have that three-match suspension changed to a fine. Um, it was never going to happen, was it, Adam? No, no, never, never. There's no chance the NRL is going to change that, Jared. And oh, listen, I know, Loz, you made a very salient point earlier about once you lose a grand final, you don't care about much. You're not worried about anything. But surely, surely, someone from Parramatta has had to pull him aside for five minutes the day after the grand final, and say, "Mate, have a think about this. Let's do this properly. Just pay your fine. Let's get on with it." Because. <laughs> Let's be honest, if Parramatta start 0-3, and as you read out before, Jerry, they've got a tough start to the season. Like, oh, hell's going to break loose when Ryan Madison comes back for round four. Um, they had to get this sorted, didn't they? And, and I understand them trying to change at a later date, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't reflect well on him, does it? The other thing, I reckon examples like that, and again, $4,000 is still $4,000, but to, to Ryan, it's not big money. Mm. Parramatta mm. should have made the decision for him. If it's after a grand final, they've just lost. You know he's emotional. Parramatta should have just made the decision, said we're paying the four grand. Then now the conversation is not with the NRL and Ryan Madison. It's actually with Parramatta. So mm. in a day, a week, a month, whatever, Ryan and Parra can sit down and go, mate, listen, we made the decision for you because mm. it's a no-brainer. And if Ryan's still peed off going, mate, I'm not paying, yeah. I'm not paying, then the fight is between the club and the player. Do you know, like, if if the if we're talk, if it was forty thousand dollars or missed three games, I think it's a very different conversation. 
$4,000? Come on. Yeah, but yeah, but all I'm saying is he's emotionally drained. Oh, no. He yeah, doesn't want to think of anything else. And that's else. maybe Parrish should have just taken out of his and, hands. And he's like, bugger the NRL. I've done nothing wrong with yeah, his tackle stuff. Yeah, I get, I get, that. I get that, that. that. And that's... Your reaction. That's yeah. your normal reaction. Then as you cool down and yeah. you get later into the week, you think about it more rationally. And so, you go, oh, yeah. so is that not, like I'm saying, para? You just sort well, it out well, and have the conversation done, but I'm five just, days' time. I'm thinking of what I would have done with Ryan. Like I would have been thinking the same thing. I'd be thinking, oh, I'm going to make a stand here. That's ridiculous what I got fined for. Mm. I'm not going to pay it. Just lost a grand final. And, and you go and do whatever you do. You know, I, yeah. I'm not thinking anything else. Then it, when I cool down and I've had 72 hours to, to think about the decision yeah. I've made. It's a no-brainer. Then you start to go, oh, geez, I might have made the wrong decision here. Yeah. Okay. Adam, thank you. Thanks, boys. Chat tomorrow.